Hello, I'm Evan Mappin, and welcome to Gun Warrior. And we are uh, proud to be sponsored by the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. That's the NRA State Affiliate in New Jersey. And every one of my listeners should be a member of their state association. Go to anjrpc.org to find out more. I have uh, been thinking about a number of cases that I've had and issues that have come up. And now I'm seeing more of this. And it, it has to do with, in a way, so many New Jerseyans finally having the right to carry, but not being completely familiar with the tips and tricks and protocols of things that are involved in carry that aren't often covered or addressed. And I want to deal with it. one of the key issues when it comes to carrying your gun, and that is, how do you poop with your gun? And this is important, because if you're out carrying your gun, and you got to go, how do you handle that situation while you are carrying your gun? And you might say, well, why is this important at all? Is this just being silly? And absolutely not, because what happens is individuals, and I've had many of these cases through the years, accidentally leave their gun in the bathroom. And if you leave your gun on the back of the toilet, or you leave your gun on the toilet paper dispenser, and you forget it, guess what? You're now in a world of, well, poop. And the reason is because the gun ends up uh, being gone from your possession. If you're fortunate, you can retrieve it. Normally, what happens there is it ends up with the police if an honest person finds it first. And that's now going to create a problem for you maintaining your license, maintaining, you might be charged with even criminal charges about being reckless, etc. And if somebody who's unauthorized got a hold of it and caused a problem, then you can see that's going to go bad for you. Uh, this is definitely a situation where you have to be extra cautious if you're carrying your gun and you have to go to the bathroom. So I want to review with you some important techniques and tips about what to do and don't do when you're going to do your business. So number one, and I would emphasize this, the number one thing is keep your firearm holstered. So by keeping it holstered, you are going to have less likelihood of an accidental discharge, of dropping your gun, of exposing it, etc. So keeping it holstered is the general number one rule. Plus, if it's holstered, you're less likely to forget it. So that immediately maintains an advantage by keeping it in the holster. Now, I would also suggest that um, 
that you never put your gun outside of your holster on top of the toilet tank. Take it out and put it on the toilet paper dispenser. Take it out, hang it from, you know, the coat hanging ring. Anything like this in which you may forget it, miss it, and end up leaving your gun. So what do we do? How, what, what can we do to help ensure this and do this in a safe way? Well, if you leave your gun in the holster and you pull down your pants, well, now that gun is close to the ground and in theory uh, could be seen by someone in another stall at an angle and it has been known to have folks grab under the stall and grab somebody's gun and take off. And you can imagine if you're in that rather vulnerable position sitting on the toilet and somebody grabs your gun in the other stall and takes off, you're going to have a hard time uh, getting your pants up and getting out of that stall and catching that person who just snatched your gun out of the holster. So here we don't want to unholster it but you have that potential. So you want to be careful of the exposure of the firearm on the floor while you're in a public bathroom. One of the techniques you can do there is you can try to get a corner stall, and a corner stall will uh, help at least block one side of vulnerability. And if that's the side, by the way, when your gun is, it's even better. But that's one way to limit the uh, the exposure. The other tactic or technique is if you're in any of these uh, facilities these days that have a family restroom. Now, normally the family restroom has a uh, diaper changing table and uh, and the like. And and as tempted as you might be to put your gun on the diaper table, don't do that. Again, you may forget it. You may now it's unholstered again. But the advantage of the family restroom is you can lock that room and it's only you in the room. Now your vulnerability to theft of the firearm is limited and you can maintain uh, your privacy. And so that's something to look to do if you're carrying. Now there's also some physical techniques that can be of great service here. One is... And some folks do this. They don't pull their pants all the way down. So if you're able to do that and still effectively take care of business, as Elvis would say, then uh, you can use that technique, of course. Be careful that the holster doesn't have the firearm roll so that it's actually pointing upwards. You never want a firearm pointing at you or anybody else. Even if it's in a holster, you don't want it pointing. Make sure you don't have that roll happen. So be careful uh, with the positioning of the gun when you do this. Uh, make sure it doesn't do that, that fold over. But I would say that the best technique, best trick, the number one tip for pooping with your gun is when you pull your pants down, take your underwear on the side where the gun is, and pull the underwear up and over the gun. 
over the butt of the gun, of your holstered gun. Now, what that does is, number one, it keeps the firearm from rolling and folding and falling on the ground. It stops it from scratching and scraping on the ground. It also secures it so that it is much more difficult for somebody to snatch and grab out of a uh, out of the holster when the underwear acts as a stretchy cover going over the butt of the gun that ensures its position and keeps it firmly against your leg and upright so that is actually the preferred technique if you can believe it is the old underwear stretch around the gun so experiment yourself with that and you'll see how the technique can work for you but keep in mind about the dangers of leaving your gun in the bathroom and what can happen by unholstering it in a public place and how you want to maintain your control at all times over the gun even when you're going to the bathroom and you don't want to end up a case where they're moving to revoke your license because you negligently or recklessly left your gun and some other third party got a hold of it and then of course the trouble can be even more than simply a license loss so take that responsibility seriously we're going to have to keep training ourselves and learning ourselves about dealing with these issues as we carry. And so here we are, new to carry in New Jersey in a broad sense. And what do we need? What do gun owners in New Jersey need? Toilet training. Oh, my God. But it's still true. So make sure you adhere to these warnings. I've seen the cases where folks don't. And it is extremely regrettable. You know, I uh, recently got a letter, and I love sharing the letters that come in to Gun Lawyer. And this letter is from Rolf, and he says, uh, regarding other firearms with a pistol brace, I'm a New Jersey resident, but I own houses in Florida and Vermont. If I register my other firearm with ATF, can I legally store them and possess them in Florida or Vermont homes where registered SBRs are legal? And frankly, uh, in the past, that has been legal. And I know that when the, uh, back when they did the federal so-called assault weapon ban, and then Secretary Benson as a uh, kind of a warm-up to that, uh, arbitrarily declared street sweepers and striker 12 shotguns to be destructive devices. And then they had a free, quote-unquote, free destructive device registration period where you could do basically what they're doing now with the pistol brace firearms as SBRs. Um, it was uh, permitted for individuals, particularly because in New Jersey, possession 
of a street sweeper or striker 12 had recently become prohibited under the assault firearm ban of New Jersey. So if you had one and you were still, and you had rendered it inoperable, which allowed you to possess it, ATF was still taking a position that they weren't going to register New Jersey destructive device, quote-unquote, uh, shotguns, such as the Street Sweeper and Striker 12, because Jersey had a prohibition on those as revolving cylinder shotguns under the assault firearm law of New Jersey. But they did allow individuals to register them and possess them out of state in homes that they had out of state, as long as the out-of-state home, it was legal to possess them and uh, many individuals that I know of uh, registered these shotguns in Pennsylvania, in their Pennsylvania homes, even though uh, they were New Jersey residents, because the SBR registration is a federal registration. Federal law prohibits an individual from registering a, a National Firearms Act prohibited firearm in a state where you can't lawfully have it under state law, but you can have it in states where it isn't prohibited by state law. So New Jersey currently prohibits SBRs. So ATF is not going to let a New Jersey resident, at least under law they shouldn't be letting any New Jersey resident, actually register a pistol brace gun as an SBR because if it is then deemed an SBR, New Jersey has no lawful way to possess an SBR. And so this idea of registering it and storing it out of state should be viable, and you're going to need to clear that, of course, with ATF, as as that is what you want to do. And like I said, there's some precedent for that happening in the past because it was done with the uh, retroactive destructive device ruling by Secretary Benson on street sweepers and striker 12s. So that is an idea that's uh, apparently feasible. Now, if you can't do that, you're going to need to take action over those pistol brace guns as far as the feds are concerned, have that 120 days, and in New Jersey... The options are limited, and we've discussed them on other gun lawyer episodes. Hopefully, the litigation that's ongoing, which is massive against Biden's ban, uh, will be successful. I know there's a number of actions, and one of them involves 25 states joining through their attorney generals in opposing Biden's gun ban. Half of the country opposing Biden's gun ban in federal court in this action. That just shows you how outrageous it is. And so we'll see what happens uh, in that litigation. Hopefully we'll have good news and we won't have to worry about any of these things. But keep, keep your eye on that time deadline to take action so that you don't get stuck with a problem. When we come back, I have an important case that just a couple days ago 
was decided in New Jersey, and it directly impacts uh, folks with certain permits to carry handguns. And I want to discuss this in detail. It is a very interesting case that you need to be aware of. We'll see you in a few. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law. A bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Gun Lawyer. I'm Evan Knappen, and I want to thank you all for being great listeners. Uh, I really appreciate it. it. Gives me a chance here to get the word out, to beat the uh, shadow bans and algorithms and everything else as they try to suppress our speech in America. It's just amazing you even have to say such a thing in America, but you know it's true. And this is how I'm able to reach out and provide you with important information protecting our rights. Making this possible and helping to give this voice is our state association, a sponsor of this show, the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, ANJRPC. Now let me tell you, the state association, they are our lobby group for gun rights. They have a full-time paid lobbyist. But they're more than that. They're the NRA state affiliate. They're involved in the litigation going on across the board over pistol braces and assault firearms and large capacity magazines, all focused on our rights in New Jersey. They have a beautiful range, Cherry Ridge Range, shooting into the side of a mountain. It's gorgeous up there if you're a member of association and join with the range uh, privileges. It's just such a beautiful place to shoot. And by being a member, you are going to be able to get the email alerts of action. You're being advised right away as to progress in the courts and what's going on in the legislature. You also get one of the finest gun rights newsletters. It's the association newsletter. That's a hard copy newsletter that is uh, dedicated to what is going on in New Jersey, directly affecting your rights, our rights, and what we uh, need to know. So 
make sure you join the association. It's really important as a member, and that's where we get power in our unity. And you find it there at anjrpc.org. Now, we have a case just came out, just decided uh, March 6th, by the way. And it is uh, State versus Reeves, R-E-E-V-E-S. This is an appellate division case in New Jersey. So it's the appeals court in New Jersey. And the case is uh, a published opinion, but it's not what they call published in terms of the legal terminology of published. In other words, you can find it and read it. It's published in that regard. But it's not yet, quote, uh, approved for publication, meaning binding case law. So when a case is approved for publication, it means that case stands as binding law throughout the state. But nonetheless, these cases that are decided are still very important. They are very instructive. They're what we call unpublished decisions, even though they're published. I mean, leave it to... uh, law to have such a thing as unpublished published decisions but that's what it is but they're still utilized to address various issues that come up when there's nothing else that has dealt with the particular issues and they're used to be very informative and such and there's when you argue motions and do things in the court and you want to rely upon an unpublished opinion you can put it into your brief and into your argument, you supply a copy of it to the court. And these are accessible online through the courts in New Jersey, through the appellate division. You can pull uh, New Jersey, this uh, State versus Sean Reeves case, and uh, it's docket A0921-20 if anyone wants to read it. But I want to point out some highlights in this case that show the way the court is interpreting the restrictions on restricted permits because we've talked about how the carry killer anti-civil rights bill is just a horror show and disgusting and a attempt uh, by our politicians you know to be whining and kicking and screaming and not accepting the Bruin decision and doing anything they can to get in the way of our God-given Second Amendment rights by putting this monstrosity forward and then claiming that it's somehow, you know, in our interest, right? They want to keep you a victim. Make sure you stay a victim of crime and not be able to defend yourself. But in this horrible, ridiculous law, there are actually a few pieces of gold, and one of the best things of it all, just the number one best thing about that law, if there is such a thing that you could actually say is good in it, is that judges have been taken out of the picture from being issuing authorities. Judges have always been the bane of our gun rights, and throughout New Jersey's history, you see how the judges have uh, failed to protect our Second Amendment rights in New Jersey, and in fact done the opposite. They've ran an aggressive campaign against our gun rights. And under the old law, judges were the issuing authority, and under the new law, they no longer are. And so that is the blessing, that is the win right there. And as we proceed with our litigation, 
hopefully we cut away with surgical precision all that bad stuff in this law, which is going quite well now in, in the litigation. And as we cut away all the rotten, terrible stuff, we actually will be left with some useful provisions in there, not the least of which is getting judges out of the picture. Now, this case further illustrates the problem with judges issuing permits. And prior to Bruin, judges issued restricted permits. Now, restricted permits no longer exist because permits from December onward, since the new carry killer law was passed, are only issued by uh, chiefs, and there's no authority or ability for chiefs to put restrictions on. And in a post-Bruin world, restrictions uh, cannot be willy-nilly and such. Uh, there are some limited restrictions that are apparently allowed under Bruin, and New Jersey has just gone nuts with identifying 25 ridiculously broad, sensitive places and trying to restrict in every way. And I say that's playing out in the litigation. But prior, you had judges that would issue restrictions on carry. And you currently have some judges, particularly Judge Oxley out of Monmouth County right now, that has decided to add restrictions to the permit. And we've talked about this. Restrictions that impose the exemptions of NGS 239-6 subsection G on a carry permit holder, which is, of course, absurd because that provision is about the transport of firearms while transporting under exemptions of 39-6. And if you have a carry permit, you're not utilizing exemptions under 39-6. The exemptions under 39.6 are for those that do not have a carry permit. But it doesn't matter because the judge has tied the 39.6 subsection G requirements of the exemptions to that permit and restricted it. And what it does is it essentially guts the value of the permit by requiring that when you transport your gun that it's unloaded and either in a case or in a, a closed and fastened case, or in a securely tied wrapper, or in a locked in the trunk of your vehicle, or in a gun box, but it's unloaded and secured in that manner. Well, when you have a carry permit, that's not how it's supposed to be. Yet by putting that on the back of the permit, it now creates this conundrum. Do I carry by way of my permit, or am I restricted by the back of the permit? Am I have to have to carry by 39.6G, or can I carry by way of the permit that was supposed to exempt me from exemptions? Am I bound by what the judge said and wrote on the permit and its restriction, or am I free to carry pursuant to the permit and essentially what Bruin laid out? And what the court, the appellate court in New Jersey in the Reeves case said as follows. First, it says here, and I'll just read you for a little bit from the case, Defendant Sean Reeves appeals from his jury trial conviction for unlawful possession of a handgun and impersonating a police officer. He obtained a permit that allowed him to carry a firearm only while he was performing his duties as a private security guard. 
During a traffic stop, he waved a badge at the officers and said, I'm an officer just like you. Defendant was wearing a loaded fireman, a holster. He was arrested for unlawfully carrying a fireman public. Beyond the scope of his carry permit. Now, this uh, impersonating an officer issue is uh, separate and whatever. It's not what I'm concerned with here. What I'm concerned with is someone who had a carry permit. A carry permit that was allegedly restricted. And the restriction said that he could only uh, have his gun while performing his duties as a private security guard. Now, in this trial, putting with, with these issues here, the court states in the, in the opinion that in August of 2015, defendant applied for a carry permit. The permitting judge construed the defendant's request as an application for permission to carry a handgun while in the employment of visual protection services, while serving as an armed security guard and assigned to the city of Newark. And the permit the defendant received was limited to those circumstances. So here's the limited, restricted carry that was issued prior to Bruin. And, of course, now you have a uh, trial and defendant was uh, charged accordingly and here's the part that I want you to pay particular attention to because in this trial the judge gave the jury as a jury instruction the exemptions of NJS 2C 39-6G Oh, sound familiar, folks? That's right. The very exemption that's on the Oxley carry permit out of Monmouth County. The same one. 39.6G. And listen to what it says here. This exemption was not requested at all by the defendant. I'll read you right from the case. Defendant also contends that the judge erred, right? That the judge made a mistake in instructing the jury regarding the legal requirements for transporting a firearm pursuant to NJSA 2C39-6. Before trial, defendant argued that the court should not charge the jury on exemptions set forth in 39-6. Specifically, defendant argued to the trial court, and this is the court opinion quoting what was said in the trial. Ready? The court has already indicated that the court believes that the requirements of NGS 2C396G are applicable in the case. Judge, I have yet, and the state in its brief did not cite any authority or any indication, any legal indication, that 396 applies to the defendant. As stated in our brief, Judge, the title of 396 is exemptions. It deals specifically, the entire statute deals with persons who are exempt from the requirement to obtain a permit. Defendant was not such person. That's why he got a carry permit. He's not an exempt person. The entire statute, the entirety of 39.6 applies to persons that are exempt and talks about how they become exempt and how they stay exempt and what they have to do while they are exempt. 
Defendant is not an exempt person, and none of that statute applies to him. That was defense counsel for Reeves arguing to the court not to give the jury the exemptions of 396G because they did not apply here. This is a carry permit case, not an exemptions for possession case. You had the permit, and guess what? The court gave the exemptions. The court said, nope, too bad. We're going to make sure the jury has the exemptions as well. And guess what? The appellate court upholds it in Reeves and says, yes, they can consider it as the exemptions. So, folks, think about what this case means. Think about this case, what it means in terms of any of you that have an Oxley permit that puts 396G as a judge-ordered restriction on your permit. It then becomes something, arguably, that has to be considered by the jury as to whether you were in conformance with it or not. That's right. You can read this opinion for itself. It bodes very poorly. So if you have such a permit... You need to take action to either get that requirement struck or to surrender your permit back and reapply and get a chief-issued permit without that nonsense on it or wait it out until your permit expires and then apply for a new permit from your chief or superintendent. But that restriction is a problem and the Reeves case indicates that it's even more of a problem. And so beware, folks, beware. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.